Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto is your host. How is everybody doing? Happy Monday, happy Monday. Thank you all for being here. I've start, I'm starting the show with Regem CP says another name for critical race theory is actual American history. Bridge, you always come out with some great stuff. Thank you so kind. We have a very, very, very busy show today, so I'm going to get busy right away. Paul Fleming Sr., welcome to Politics Done Right. He says, I guess our Republican friends will be watching CNN because Trump will be having a town hall May 10th. I won't be watching. I will watch it for you, my dear brother Fleming. Lee Grant is in the house. My brother from the other side. Love him. Lee Grant, how are you doing, my brother? Bridge MCP. My sister is in the house, as well as my sister, Alistair Waters, as well as Paraver Paraver. Michael Rodman is awake. May Wood is in the house away. He says, good afternoon, everyone, and happy Monday. Also, happy May Day. And of course, Bridge is the uh, Bridge. Uh, Paul Fleming, I got Paul Fleming. If anybody that I miss, let me. Wide Awake is in the house. How you doing, Wide Awake? My woke sister or brother? I am not sure. The name doesn't give me a gender. Does it matter? No, it does not. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Let's start with Bridge. Bridge says there have been six mass shootings in Texas, including this in 2023. That is only including those with two or more dead. There have been more 12 with one dead up to 11 injured in shooting. Today, five were killed in shooting in Cleveland. That was actually on Friday, Texas, that uh, resulted from a confrontation between a family and an intoxicated neighbor. The details, the suspect, a Mexican national named Francisco Oropesa, was known to shoot guns in his yard frequently. Friday night, he was doing so when neighbors complained it was disturbance to their young baby who was tr trying to sleep. The suspect, who was visibly drunk, said, I'll do what I want in my front yard before entering the neighbor's home and shooting five Hondurans, including an eight-year-old in the head. The suspect is still at large. For context, the sheriff on the scene believed 10 people live in the house together with four to five moving in from Houston. Uh, moving in from Houston in the past few days, some of the victims were found laying on the top of injured children, which authorities believe was done in an effort to protect them. An interviewed resident said overnight, Gunfire is common in the neighborhood, and she did not know the shooter, but would have would would wave to him when he would pass by with his horses. Key quotes: Everybody that was shot from the neck up, almost execution style, basically in the head. San Jacinto uh, County Sheriff Greg Casper told KTRK. And remember this, folks: What does a, that AR-15 do? When it gets into your brain, it annihilates, it destroys, it liquefies what you have in there so long. Everybody in, in Texas can go buy their guns. And of course, we have that criminal that we have for a governor who said, oh yeah, but some of them were illegal. Like that had anything to do with it. You have a you have a state where it's laissez-faire with guns. Of course, this is going to happen. Bridge MCP also on gun policy. Republicans ignored Americans' consensus view. As much as Americans disagree on seemingly everything, there's a striking consensus on addressing gun violence. So why are Republicans ignoring the data? The nation's political division are one of the defining dynamics of our time. Reflecting on the result of the latest NBC polls, Democratic pollster Jeff Howitz of Heart Research, who helped conduct the poll, a Republican counterpart said last week, the survey revealed a country on fire, seething with anger at our political leaders and too often at each other. In a time when positions on provocative issues seem popular, if they can garner a bare majority, it was tough not to notice the lopsided findings from Fox survey. 61% support a ban on assault rifles and semi-automatic weapons. 77% su uh, support requiring a 30-day waiting period 
for all gun purchases. 80% support allowing police to take guns from those considered to be a danger to themselves or others. 80% support requiring mental health checks on gun buyers. 81% support, support rising, raising the legal age to buy a gun to 21. 81% support improving uh, enforcement of existing gun laws. 87% support requiring criminal bankrupt checks on all gun buyers. There is no reason to see such results as an outlier. All the polling of the data consistent with a similar finding from other major surveys. The idea that GOP voters wouldn't tolerate any significant gun reform is plainly wrong. It's GOP policymakers who are standing in the way. And it is time for progressives and Democrats to use the gun issue. Go positive on the gun issue. There is no reason to fear the NRA. The NRA is on the losing side of the argument. Bar none. Americans are intelligent and they know what they want to do. Paul Fleming says a libertarian will be sitting in Tucker's old seat. Who, uh, 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 what say? A libertarian will be sitting in Tucker's old seat who a person of color. What do you think? I, I think they would probably do that because you know why? They'll use that guy as the, you know, as the quote to screw everybody else and, and, they, and it'll work. Lee Grant says, Paul Fleming Sr., I like the brother. I like the brother. Bridge MCP says, Berta Fox has the same report but broke it down. The left and right always trying to separate. Absolutely so. But again, it's what most Americans want. The left is just as Americans are. are left folks on the left are just as Americans are folks on the right. Melanie Keelan is in, in, in España, Barcelona, Spain. And let me tell you better, they do celebrate May 1 as May Day. It's the people's, the working folks day. And I'm so proud of my French brothers and sisters who are fighting that change in the in, in retirement role. It is time for the rich to pay. It is time for all, all working class people to, to go and peacefully demand of their politicians to go ahead and not allow the rich to sucker all the monies, all the profits out into their coffers and spread that wealth with everybody who has the who are the ones that have actually earned that wealth. Anyway, folks, uh, in Texas, I want I, I got to get to the first video right away. So I'm going to do that now and then I will we'll continue with the program as designed. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host today. We are here with Kit O'Connell, who is a, a genderqueer movement journalist with Texas Observer. Um, earlier today, I got a text message from a dear friend who also subscribes to the Texas Observer. And he said, Egberto, you really need to speak to this guy, Kit. He, um, uh, he just wrote a story. He wrote a story titled, uh, AG Commissioner, Agricultural Commissioner Sid Miller doubles down on transphobic dress code. Now I'm going to ask Kit. First of all, welcome to Politics Done Right, Kit. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Actually, yesterday was my birthday, so I'm having a pretty relaxed day. Well, happy birthday, uh, I guess a bit late, but uh, happy birthday. Thanks. Thanks so much. But anyway, Kit, it tell us a little bit about how you came about this story that you wrote. Again, title, AG Commissioner Sid Miller doubles down on transphobic dress code at the Texas Observer. Yeah. And that was, so that was actually the second part of my story. The first part came out uh, this past Monday on April 24th. Um, so on the 21st. Uh, I was sent a copy of this dress code by somebody uh, uh, at the agricultural department uh, who had received it just a few days before, was wondering what to do about it, really was concerned about its effect on their coworkers. And so they sent it to me at the Texas Observer. Uh, and so uh, I got it. Uh, so the dress code, uh, it, you know, uh, it's like a two page memo. 
And if you take the single sentence out that is the really core of the story, if you took that sentence out, it's a very conservative dress code, but not an unusual one. And obviously, we could talk about there's all kinds of issues with dress codes. Are they sexist? Are they racist? Right. We could talk about that. But this dress code has a really extraordinary sentence in it, which is employees are expected to comply with this dress code in a manner consistent with their biological gender. And so that is in the first paragraph of the dress code. And, you know, uh, I spoke to an employee of the Texas Department of Agriculture and they told me that they almost missed it at first because, you know, there's it's a, it's a whole memo. It's just kind of hidden in the beginning. But once you notice it, it really stands out. And it really is very important because that sentence seems designed to force genderqueer trans, any kind of gender non-conforming people at the Texas Department of Agriculture basically into the closet. Uh, it says that you have to dress according to your biological gender. Now, if I can take a moment here to talk about sex Please and gender, do. just for and a second. That's one yeah. of the reasons I wanted you on, to enlighten folks. So sex and gender are two different things, right? Um, sex is uh, the arrangement of your uh, genetics and your genitalia and uh, your reproductive organs in general. Uh, and at birth, a doctor honestly looks at you and says, no, well, this looks like a boy or this looks like a girl. That's basically how it happens you know, to this day. So you're assigned at birth uh, a sex and gender. Now, sex is, again, these three genetics, you know, genitalia, reproductive organs. But scientists are actually recognizing that when we look at the genetics of people, actually two in every hundred people don't strictly match male or female. Just, you know, some of them may even go their whole lives or into their 40s before they get a genetic test or some kind of, you know, medical situation makes the doctor look a little closer at the arrangement of things or, you know, inside. And they realize, oh, this person actually, you know, uh, uh, doesn't exactly fit into society's traditional boxes of male or female. So just to start, sex is a little bit more flexible than most of us were kind of raised to believe, right? But then gender is kind of a whole social construct that's put on top of sex. Uh, you know, for people who are cisgender, meaning that the sex they're assigned at birth matches their gender expression, there's not much difference. A lot of people go through lives without really recognizing the difference between sex and gender because there's two match up. Um, but gender actually is a social construct built around all the roles and stereotypes and just assumptions that people have around people based on how they kind of come across as what's traditionally masculine or traditionally feminine in our society. And it varies from society to society, what we assign to that. It's varied all through history. If we look through history, there have been dramatically different ideas of what men and women are supposed to do um, and how they're supposed to dress, right? Men's fashion, you know, men used to wear high heels. And that was originally a male, you know, fashion. You know, there's mm -hmm. all, it's changed through history. There's no single thing that gender has meant through history almost. So, and then of course we have people who are transgender, who are genderqueer or non-binary like myself, uh, and people who are just in some way not conforming to male or female gender. And all of those people differ a bit from their gender or what people assume they have gender, they were assigned at yeah. birth. Right. Yeah. Now, all these things I've been talking about, if you think about like, just that phrase biological gender, if you actually like sex is really the biological part 
And gender, like I've been saying, is the social part. So biological gender is kind of this made up phrase that doesn't really mean anything, or maybe it means whatever Sid Miller, the agriculture commissioner, wants it to mean. And so, and his name was in seal or on this memo. So as far as we know, it comes right from his office, this new dress code. Prior to this, employees had a, a fairly standard, again, conservative dress code, but didn't have any mention of biological gender. And, you know, of course, people who were uh, gender nonconforming or non-binary or trans, you know, had to negotiate whatever stereotypes or issues in our society. But hopefully, you know, I know that there are LGBTQ plus employees at the Department of Agriculture who've been living their lives and doing their jobs, right? And now all of them are wondering, what does this mean for me? You know, how do I express myself? You know, I'm sitting here talking to you. I, I'm wearing a dress, you know, today. Uh, uh, and, you know, based on the sex I was assigned at birth, the gender I was assigned at birth, assigned a male at birth, you know, I don't match that. Does that mean that I would get in trouble if I wore, you know, a tasteful, you know, knee length dress to this office, you know, if my, if this, because there, it does say that, you know, women in, in, in this dress code can wear pants, but if they wear, you know, dresses, they can't be too short. The skirt can't be too short. You know, so like if I have this dress on, would I be getting trouble? Would I get fired? You know, yeah, my you office that I, that I go into the Texas observer, you know, people there are accepting of me as who I am as someone who's not cisgender. And so if I show up in a skirt one day, no one looks twice or they say, Hey, that's a great skirt kit, but no one's going to get me in trouble. It's not something I have to think about, fortunately. And a lot of workers these days happily are in offices that are accepting. And I think up till now, even many of the offices at the department of agriculture, probably depending on where they are, we're accepting of them. And this dress code throws that into disarray. Uh, it's, it's, you know, um, I was the first person to write about this on, on, uh, like I said, on, on Monday, but since then the media has been, um, you know, responding to it and repeating the story. And a few of them, we weren't able to get a comment from Sid Miller or the agriculture office, but a few of them have I still haven't been able to get to him. Right. No, I've tried multiple times. I've called their, their, their press contact. I've, I've been trying polite, emails. I just would like to ask some questions of them, but they won't respond to me. Uh, but they have, you know, I think, you know, he's had some press appearances uh, and, and he also came on our local spectrum, you know, cable news uh, uh, recently. Right. And he's been sort of defending it and saying basically that this is just about professionalism. And again, if you took that sentence about biological gender out, you could look at this dress code and say, okay, you know, people were working from home during the beginning of the pandemic. Now they're back at the office and, you know, the, the, the people are saying, hey, it's time to dress, you know, back in your suits and professional wear, not in your casual wear. And right. whatever, that's their right to say that as managers, right? We can talk about that, but that's not unusual. A lot of people are getting probably some kind of form of that dress code, like, hey, you can't wear pajamas to the office. <laughs> but so that's what Sid Miller's trying to say. But then he's kind of equating it. He's saying, well... You know, the way he's phrased it when he's talked to the press is that if a man in a dress, so already we have problems. This is not. Well, he, he, not uh, kid, he's he's using the terminology that that that's being used right now to inflict uh, to kind of to attempt at embarrassing uh, the LGBTQ community. It's like what they did to the um, to Zephyr in uh, in Montana or what they've they've done to others. Uh, sim I mean, there's this there's this drive to attack trans there's this drive to attack lgbtq folks uh 
even in in our own state legislature, where it you know they're going crazy with this thing as if they want a particular talking point to rile up people. What many don't understand is while people are people felt freer to come out as who they are. These are things I had to learn myself. Uh, people feel freer to come out as who they are. This is nothing new. I mean, from mm-hmm. what I understand, even back in the days of Judaism, uh, in those days, they defined it as the seven genders or something like that several millennia ago. Am I correct? Well, you know, all different societies have had different ways of handling it. There's not a universal way, but certainly, yes, people who don't fit within the strict role of male and female have existed all throughout history. Uh, you know, um, one thing people have compared it to often is uh, left-handedness, where for a long time people were punished for showing their left-handedness. Right. And then as soon as they stopped punishing them, suddenly there were more left-handed people. Now, there wasn't like a mutation in the human person that made us have more left-handed right. people. It's just people stopped having to hide that side of themselves. And so what we've seen is that, you know, in a similar way, especially among like younger generations happily, uh, you know, there is a, a real acceptance among, you know, like the, the Generation Z, for example, they are extremely accepting of each other on the whole, you know, of gender divergence, of gender nonconforming classmates and friends, family members. Um, and so more of them have felt free to come out. And there's also has been not perfect, as we know, but a general opening of the doors of sort of acceptance in some parts of society. Uh, the Republicans are trying to close those doors again, but there have been up until relatively recently, teachers have felt OK about saying it's OK to come out in my classroom. This is a safe space. And some of them even for a while felt safe talking about their own same sex relationships in some educational settings. You know, just like uh, a straight you know, teacher might talk about their spouse, you know, same sex right. people talk about. It, and that just increases acceptance. It makes people feel OK. Um, you know, things have unfortunately the Republicans are really trying to push about this. There's a real. Uh, uh, you know, you use the word embarrass, and I, and I just want to gently correct that. That really, it's it's about trying to make it so trans and gender nonconforming people can't really participate in society that they don't feel safe being out and 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 you know being out in public, whether that's limiting access to bathrooms, uh, restricting how we dress through so-called drag bans, uh-huh. um, you know, whether that's restricting what teachers are allowed to talk about, whether they're allowed to offer some things. I heard about something really extraordinary that happened in Houston just over the last couple of days that I think shows how strange things have gotten. Um, some students, this came out in a local paper in Houston. I'm sorry, I don't remember the one right now, which one it was. Houston Chronicle. But, yes, thank you. Houston Chronicle. But they were going to go to a play of James and the Giant Peach. Uh, and in that play, there are many characters that are literally insects, like talking insects that are, you know, friends of James inside of the giant peach. And because some of those insects, their gender in the book differed from the gender of the actor inside the costume, there was pressure on some of these schools who felt to cancel some of their school trips to go see James and the giant peach, which, you know, is not some new uh, uh, you know, radical left, you know, uh, piece of literature. It's something that's been around for a while and has, I think, fairly basic values that I thought we all used to accept, like friendship and working together and overcoming adversity, things like that. But here we are, you know, now we have to worry about what's the gender of the insects that our children might see on a stage. It's very, 
very far from from uh, uh, what I thought, you know, things were going to be like. <laughs> well, you know what? And one of the reasons I wanted to highlight this uh, this story that you wrote is because I think as as uh, these uh, a lot of folks, these guys work behind closed doors. And if this person hadn't passed that letter on to you, it would have never been known. Now, uh, the idea is to make sure all of Texas understand that we have an AG that is nothing that seems to be nothing more than a homophobe. And in having an, an AG that is a homophobe, maybe you can't write that, but I can say that because that is exactly what I see displayed in what I saw in the writing and that you cannot well, you're get saying, you're saying, I should say the agricultural commissioner you're talking about, although, you know, I do have, oh, did I, call, I said AG, I'm sorry. Yeah, agricultural. It's okay. It's okay. I just, yeah. Agricultural commissioner, which we do sometimes certain with ag, but yeah, I don't want to confuse people with the attorney general who, right, you know, we right. have to have a separate conversation about, uh, 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 yeah. So, That's yeah, a no, long attorney, conversation with the AG. <laughs> yes, I know. Absolutely. But yes, yes. yeah. So there's, yeah. But I mean, if, and you know, people, if they want, unfortunately, if they want more evidence, they can just to go look at Sid Miller's Twitter, where he's been tweeting up a storm over the last week or so of all kinds of homophobic stuff. Uh, so he's really not hiding it, but he might have hit it a little more if we hadn't talked about this. And, you know, the reason that I'm linking it to all this stuff, like these other issues, including what's happening at our legislature right now, if we can talk about, is it is all connected. It's all, like you said, it's part of this overall campaign to make life difficult for LGBTQ plus people, regardless of, of where they're, it's, you know, again, it's, is it sports? Is it schools? Is it bathrooms? Is it our workplaces now? It's all, you know, they're trying to make it hard no matter where they are. Um, and I do want to mention why. Uh, off the top of your head, Kit, uh, what, what uh, particular bills in the legislature uh, concerns you with respect to the LGBTQ uh, uh, community that we can go ahead and uh, make sure and start to highlight? Yeah, I mean, uh, so, so, so many there, are, you know, uh, uh, you know, the Washington Post actually did a great map recently and showed that there have been just this record number of bills across the country. And there have been something like 40 proposed in Texas, just this legislative session. So that's since January when things kind of got started slowly. You know, they ramp up slowly, but there have been 40 over this legislative session targeting LGBTQ people in some way. Uh, trans rights, talking about LGBTQ in school. Uh, the most immediate one uh, that's coming up, and I believe it's SB 14, is going to be heard on Tuesday at the Texas legislature. And that is a bill that is, if it passes, and it unfortunately is expected to pass on Tuesday, most likely, going to go to the governor's death, where he considers this a priority. If this bill passes, it'll essentially make health care for trans young people illegal. And the Republicans use a lot of shocking language to talk about it. Um, they'll talk about young people being, this is their talking points. They talk about young people being sterilized or their bodies being mutilated. But that's not what we're talking about for people. When you talk about under people under 18, what trans healthcare involves is, you know, therapy, you know, to help them socially transition. That means, you know, learn to use their pronouns and express themselves. Right. And in some cases, it's things like puberty blockers, which is like a reversible drug that basically slows down puberty as the person's aging. Um, and that can really help people because, for example, someone who's assigned female at birth, but who feels non-binary or feels masculine, for them to develop breasts, for example, could be really traumatic for them. That could be a really 
strong divergence from who they feel they are inside. And these puberty blockers, if somebody starts them early enough, you know, they can help a person feel like themselves as they get as they get older. They work with therapists and stuff, you know, as they develop and as they're older, there's more options that open up to them. But it's not something that's rushed into. I think that's the most important thing. This is kind of healthcare that happens between young people by their feelings, very strong feelings that some of them feel since birth. I, I since birth, essentially felt non-binary. Um, and if their parents and expert doctors, it's, this takes years to go through this process. This isn't something that like you wake up and tomorrow they give you surgery or even they give you the puberty blockers. You work with a lot of experts. It's hard to access. It's slow, but they want to shut the door to this completely. You know, and I... I know people, people I've known here for years who are, they own land here in this area. They consider themselves Texans. They're, they're, they're part of this state and they're going to have to leave in the next few months. They're having to pull up stakes before the end of the year because they have an under 18 trans person. Yeah. And they're going to lose that. I actually know a family here. I know a family here in Kingwood that it's going through the same thing. They're going to have to pull up and leave because it's going to become illegal for their kid who is transitioning to fully make that transition. Look, kid, I got to go out. We're, we're fixed on time here. Give me about a one minute closer and uh, and let's get out of here. Uh, my one minute closer is one that I've been saying anytime I appear on something is just uh, this is a really extraordinary time in the United States, you know, for trans people, for LGBTQ people, but for all of us, for democracy, we need to find ways to stand up for each other. All these issues are connected, you know, whether it's LGBTQ plus issues, racial justice, you know, bodily autonomy, it's all connected. We all need to stand up for each other. You know, find a way to support each other, whether that's donating money, whether that's going to protest, that's offering a place for queer trans people to stay if they need it, you know, whether that's supporting your local media, the local journalism like the Texas Observer. Just find some way to help to help out, you know, support the journalists and the news that matters to you and, and uh, just get active. There's a million ways to get involved, but everybody needs to do something uh, right now. So this is a moment where we just can't sit on our butts and do nothing. Kit O'Connell, journalist at the Texas Observer. Thank you so kindly for having been here on Politics Done Right. Anytime. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. So it was great speaking to Kip. Uh, when when uh, John uh, sent me a text saying, Egberto, you need to contact this guy. Read, first of all, read this article. And I think this is somebody that really needs to be heard on Politics Done Right. I want to remind you guys of something here, very important. I've, I constantly tell you all, and it's not cliche, this is your show. I constantly give you, tell you if you have it, uh, information stuff that you want me to cover, if I'm able to cover it, I will. Uh, send Just drop a line to info at politicsdoneright.com, info at politicsdoneright.com, or you know, just go ahead and uh, send me a tweet at Egberto Willis, at Egberto Willis. By the way, those of you who are listening right now, please remember to go ahead and follow me on Twitter because you'll get a lot of stuff that everything that I put out, a tweet automatically goes out as well. So please go and follow at EgbertoWillies.com, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. Remember, we are now taking calls whenever you want as well, 281 Eight two three seven seven four seven. Again, that is two eight one, or rather two eight one eight two three seven seven four seven. I had to look at it because to memorize the number. Uh, who just joined us? Just joining us is Daniel Ledo, Lee Grant, E two two four seven, 
Uh, Alistair Waters, welcome aboard the chat. Glad to see all of you here. And of course, El Senor Bruce Pollard. I had the honor, the opportunity to spend some time with Bruce uh, this weekend where we actually went to a, a, a forum of activists. And Bruce, of course, was representing his wife's uh, gun organization. Love, uh, love spending that time and, and camaraderie and having lunch together, etc. with a whole lot of other activists around Houston. It was a great time. I should have had a picture ready, but I don't. Anyhow, another video that we're ready. It's about, bam, man, Michael Steele hits the nail on the head. But wait a minute. Before that, I want to say Daniel Ledo says transgenderism is a mental disorder. These sick people need to be placed in mental hospitals and given compassionate care to get their heads right. You know, Daniel, believe it or not, that sentiment coming from you is one of the, I, I, I'll be frank with you. I mean, it actually touched me because that was coming from you is given some of the stuff that you talk about. That has that is a very humane statement. I don't think if you speak if you speak to somebody like Bridge MCP on the issue, maybe some more common on that particular issue. Maybe you could get a few more commonalities there. But uh, you know, it's whether it is sickness or or the way that person actually is. I am not qualified, but everything that I've learned thus far, it is not a, a mental disorder. It is well, everything would be a mental disorder since everything is controlled by the mind, right? Me, who I am, is a mental disorder, right? I don't know. But anyhow, but anyhow, um, anyhow, Daniel, I think that is pretty much one of the most well, I won't go, I won't be, be, bemoan it any anymore. Anyhow, uh, thank you guys, everybody, for uh for listening. I have another one here now from Richard, I mean from Michael Steele. Check this out. You know what? I want the Democratic Party to hire Michael Steele as an executive consultant with them. You know, everybody has been making an issue about Biden's age, right? Uh, we, but guess what? We've seen Biden riding bikes. We've seen Biden jogging. We've seen Biden, yeah, uh, talking, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as Donald Trump is concerned, Michael Steele makes the obvious point in a very important manner. But it breaks down to this way. Donald Trump is just four years younger than, than uh, President Biden. He's obese and he has a problem not going up an incline, going down an incline where he can't keep his balance. And you know what? He speaks as if he has a mental conflict in his mind. There are so many well-placed narratives that can be used once they bring up age, once they open the door on that personal attack, for them to open it up and slaughter uh, any instance of Donald Trump. Of course, they may do it too well, and then he gets a younger candidate who is potentially not as caustic. Well, anyhow, listen to Michael Steele, and then we'll take it on the other side. Michael, could Republicans straight too far down this road? It, it's not like there are many years between President Biden and former President Trump, yet they keep on bringing up Biden's age. Yeah, sure. I, particularly given that the, the significant portion of their voting base are Biden's age. <laughs> so at a, at a certain point, you're, you're telling, you, you know, your, your base voters that you're just not even competent to, to participate in the democracy anymore. I mean, look, it, it's the politics of the moment. I think Biden has handled this 
uh, expertly. He's done it with humor and he's done it with the show me stuff. This is what I'm doing. See if you can catch up. Um, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, sort of wailing from behind a podium, um, you know, and dealing with legal issues, um, not showing the kind of leadership that that Biden is showing. So there are some contrasts, comparisons and contrasts there that that the Biden team can put up. Uh, and people do forget. And, you know, again, it's part of how the Republicans frame the narrative that Donald Trump is just four years behind him and, and, and obese by most medical standards, uh, out of shape. Uh, and, and we've got the same images of, of, of this, pre- of that president sort of, you know, having a hard time walking down a plank, not walking up, but walking down a plank. So look, you know, you want to play the game, play it carefully because there's enough evidence out there about Trump to, to show that, you know, age hasn't been kind to him either. Michael Steele, nail it or what? And you know, he did it in just a matter-of-fact manner. Democratic Party, put this guy on your payroll for another reason. He knows some of where the skeletons are and how to get to certain a certain group of people. Please, do it. We spend a lot. Please, do it. Okay, I have another good one here. This one here is... Uh, GOP uh, the, about the well. Let me just go ahead and play this one. I think you're going to like it as well. Very important. Vivek Ramaswamy is the GOP Republican presidential candidate, a millennial who is running. He's a great talker, and make no mistake, this guy is a homophobe. This guy is historically, or he's he's challenged by history. Let's be clear. This guy is no very smart cat that, that there is out there. I mean, in fact, he went on with, with uh, Lemon, and I think it's partially why Lemon got fired, um, where he just didn't understand black history and had the nerve to say certain things to Lemon that I found surprisingly dumb. And you know, I don't use those words often, but were surprisingly dumb and showed he's intellectually challenged. That's it. He made a very good point on this week, or rather on Meet the Press, where he really handed uh, DeSantis's tale to himself. Because DeSantis is all on this crony capitalism crap, this woke crap on Disney, and it turns out that some of the issues proper were created by whom again? DeSantis. It's actually the truth that DeSantis was in bed with. Disney before he was able to turn on them and use them for their wokeness. I want you to listen to Vivek Ramaswamy and then we'll take it on the other side. Let me ask you about the Disney dust off sure. with Ron DeSantis. On one hand, I assume you agree uh, with pushing back at Disney the way Governor DeSantis has rhetorically. Um, but is there a point where you think it uh, is too much to use government to punish business? Here's where Ron DeSantis really lost it here. He's gone on the wrong path. As he claimed, and this part actually sounded good to me, Disney should have never had crony capitalist lobbying-related privileges in the first place. Here's the part he doesn't mention. One of those crony capitalist privileges was, and I think the most relevant one, was codified into law by none other than Ron DeSantis in 2021. Mm -hmm. So Florida passed this political anti-discrimination statute, which I applauded at the time, Mm -hmm. said if you operate internet companies, this includes streaming services like Disney does, that you can't engage in viewpoint discrimination. Now here's the funny, dirty little secret of that. 
they wrote into a last minute exception into that law for mm-hmm. anyone who also operates a theme park more than 25 acres in the state that's of Florida. Right. For, yeah, that's that's right. crony capitalism. And so the irony is Ron DeSantis, who's now railing against crony capitalism and rolling that back, yeah. was the one who actually passed that into law for the case of Disney. So I think that undermines the credibility of his crusade. I prefer to get to root causes rather than doing political stunts. Again. Vivek is no, I mean, I know he's a businessman and people are going to want to play him up because he speaks eloquently and he speaks with authority and he speaks like he knows what he's talking about. But sometimes people who speak with authority and speak like they know what they're talking about, uh, they might as well had shut their mouth up on issues and let people assume they were smart because his issues on, on, uh, on racial issues, his issues on uh, LGBTQ issues are at best suspect, but definitely wrong. But the one thing he got right was the attack that he made on DeSantis. But then again, isn't even a dead clock right twice a day? So Vivek, we may be looking for the next right answer that you give as you run for president in your Republican primary. Yeah, because, you know, he used one. He got one right about DeSantis. A, cl- a dead clock is, 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 is correct twice a day. So he has one more left. So let's wait for, uh, for Raswani to get one more correct. Let's wait. Let's wait. All right. The, the second to last video now is on the gift. The gift that the bill passed by the Republican uh, Congress House. The Republican House. They gave, they gave a And I hope people understand that it was a gift that was given. You know, we hope that is the case. I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. Republican Majority Whip Tom Emmer appeared on State of the Union with Dana Bash today. And when he spoke about the debt ceiling, about all the cutting that they did, he doesn't want to call them cutting, but in effect, it is cutting. Uh, he ended stating when when Dana gave him a, a way out. Are you saying that you just put this bill up because you know it's going nowhere? And this is what he said. Nope, we want this bill and it would be great if this bill becomes law. What this means is this is what should be used in 2024. To really make Americans understand, these people put into office, this is what it means to the middle class. This is what it means to the poor. This is what it means for the working class. You will be cut as we continue to keep the tax breaks, as we continue to keep the military spending that that just favors the, the, the wealthy. It means that is what you get. This statement and other statements from these guys should be used around their necks to ensure Americans understand why. Let's listen to it, and then we'll take it on the other side. Biden, as you know, is still saying he is not going to negotiate over the threat of hitting the debt ceiling and a catastrophic default. He does say he is willing to negotiate separately over spending cuts in the nation's budget. What's wrong with that? 
Well, actually, he doesn't have to negotiate. Uh, the Republicans in the House, led by Kevin McCarthy, have passed the solution. And I, I take a little issue, uh, Donna, with the uh, cuts language that the uh, media likes to use all the time. Uh, this is a transformational bill. Uh, it would uh, uh, limit spending. Uh, the savings in it would be close to $5 trillion over the next 10 years. They keep calling these cuts. Uh, this is really spending reforms that will put this country on a better path. And by the way, uh, prevents us from uh, defaulting on our debts. It can be the same thing uh, at once. Uh, they, there, there are reforms, there, there are savings, but it is also cutting in several ways to get there. Let me just quickly look deep inside what you did get past this past week. Uh, the bill would cut all non-defense discretionary funding by 22%. That is a lot of money. And I want you to look at what the administration said it would mean just for your home state of Minnesota. Thousands would lose food, they say, rental assistance. They would pay more for college. Uh, outpatient VA appointments for veterans could be cut. This will make a big difference if what you want, this bill actually would become law. Big difference in the lives of Americans, especially those paying living paycheck to paycheck. What do you say to that? What you just said is just not true either, because you should scrutinize what the administration is talking about. What we did was you go back to FY22 baseline budgeting, uh, Donna. The cuts that I just laid out came from the administration. This is what they claim. You're saying that just is not true. And this is a hypothetical, theoretical question, because what you passed, as we said, is ultimately not going to become the law of the land. But these are very specific uh, cuts that they put out there. I would hope this becomes the law of the land. Kevin McCarthy and House Republicans have given you the roadmap of how to do that. Okay. Just take the bill we passed last week, Dana. Make it law. He wants to claim that it's not a cut because they're going back to tw the 2022 budget. Here is the big lie. If you have 10,000 10, people that are on retirement, and every year you add another thousand. If you do not keep up with the growth of those that are retiring, minus the growth of the people who are entering the workforce. And at this point of time, because the baby boomers are at their peak, it means that it costs more. Even given the people no increases, it means it costs more. It is a cut because as more people retire, as more people are rightfully qualifying for the support level that they have, what the Republicans are asking everybody else to do is to take a cut as we bring more people into the system that have earned their way into the system. This should be explained the way it needs to be explained. And they should be paying for cutting what is mostly the food and support to the majority or to a large percentage of mostly their constituents, the Republican current constituents. Let's go ahead and make them into progressive constituents now. We should make them into progressive constituents because, I mean, they're, they're, their own's hurting them. But we got to get it across. I mean, I got a, a person came and said, oh, they don't care that they're getting hurt themselves as, as long as some other people don't get care. To some extent, that is that that limit reaches when you are when the pain is is high enough. I mean, when the pain is high enough, we get around that. Ask President Obama that. 
Remember what I said a year? I, I mentioned this all of the times. I knew Obama was going to win when he went into a, I think it was in Pennsylvania in one of the, uh, you know, one of the, the not very racially aware areas of Pennsylvania. And the woman went ahead and said, uh, uh, honey, when, when the, the, the canvasser went to the house, honey, who are we voting for? I don't know why she thought she had to ask him, but then he shouted out, ah, honey, we are voting. <laughs> Things are bad, right? We are voting for the end guy. When things get bad enough, people go against their prejudices. They go against their natural being, and then they select what's best for them. So don't think that uh, if things are getting bad enough, and they are in fact getting bad enough, people are going to come to their senses, even if it means that a lot of times going against their own ideology. That's where it's at, brothers and sisters. One more video. Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson. This is a short one. Well, another four four change. Check it out. And then we'll take it. En el otro lado. Everybody knows that Tucker Carlson got released from Fox News. And you know what? One would think that, oh, maybe there's a little bit of shame there or whatever. But that's not what we got out of. Tucker Carlson's fiasco. The reality is that, guess what? Tucker Carlson got a job offer. Where from? Where from? It says here, right here on the news. Tucker Carlson from the Independent UK. Tucker Carlson receives a new job offer from Russian state TV after Fox News firing. And it goes as follows. It didn't take long for Tucker Carlson to land a job offer after losing his primetime slot. On the most watched cable news network in this country, within hours after Fox News announced that the network agreed to part ways with the far right nationalist pundit, uh, rather, the far right nationalist pundit morning, Russian state TV personalized and propaganda outlet opened their doors. It said, RT, the Russian state broadcaster formerly known as Russia Today, which is banned in dozens of countries, including across Europe offered him a platform. Hey, at Tucker Carlson, you can always question more with at RT underscore com. The outlet wrote on Twitter, Vladimir Soloyov, uh, a propagandist whose channel were, were blocked, channels were blocked by YouTube last year for violating the platform's policies against inciting violence, said he sent an email to Carlson calling him the last remaining voice of reason. Anybody who calls Tucker Carlson the last remaining voice of reason has got something that, well, who knows? I don't know. But anyway, uh, listen, listen to this because it didn't only stop with these guys who gave him an offer. It actually made international news were a, not a prime minister, but a, 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 a very important officer in the Russian in the Russian uh, government actually commented on Tucker Carlson. He actually commented. Listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, commenting on Tucker Carlson's ouster from Fox News. Take a look. Perhaps it would be useful to consider how things are with freedom of speech in the United States. I've heard that Tucker Carlson has left Fox News. It's a curious news. What is this related to? One can only guess, but clearly 
богатство взглядов в американской Picking up Russian propaganda that spread from the Kremlin and publishing it for American audiences and finding receptive audiences on the far right and the far left. Basically, anybody who hates Joe Biden are are are, are just lapping all of this Russian propaganda. Well, they're holding up. a Wall Street Journal reporter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True, it's going on. Uh, the good news is that at the moment they're still at the margins. Uh, Russia's not winning the, the, the war either on the battlefield, much less in, in, throughout Europe or, or, or in the uh, United States. My question to you again is, rem- imagine if this had anything to do with a Democrat uh, that happened to be, uh, uh, what is it, palling around with the Russians? Imagine that. What would they say if one of the stars went to RTTV, um, I think it would be problematic. So you have to ask your question. Well, you don't have to ask questions at all. We know exactly what the Republican Party stands for, and it is everything that Tucker Carlson stands for. And as Americans find that out, hopefully they will act and vote accordingly. Absolutely so. Uh, with respect to uh, Daniel, brother E2247, uh, I am reading that statement in the context of, of who Daniel has been in our family of the PDR Posse. And that statement, uh, as wrong as it is, it has shown growth. That's all I'm going to say for that for now. But we are going to, uh, you know, I want to r- remind all of you, anybody who wants to call in right now can give us a call at 281 281- 823-7747. If you want, we're close to the end of the show, about, uh, let's see, about five more minutes left. If anybody wants to come in and say a word, kind of exercise this stuff that we've ju- that you guys have just brought into the fold, uh, 281-823-7747. Feel free to call and say, hi, Egberto. I just want people to know that we're taking calls now uh, as we want. Today, we had a full show, so we didn't have a call section or anything like that. But I wanted you to know, this is something that I really wanted to prepare perfectly well for you guys. So if somebody calls in, we'll be ready to go. Those of you who are on YouTube right now, again, those of you listening, you can call in. Those of you on YouTube right now, please feel free to click that join button. Support us, making sure that we can continue to give the progressive narrative. And not only that, but we have a lot of conservatives in our fold as well. We're not asking them to become progressives. We're asking them to listen. And when they go into that voting booth, vote their interest. Vote their interest. 
vote their interest. We know if people vote their interest, we will get more votes, whether they're coming from conservatives, anarchists, libertarians, wherever. We're just asking people to learn from programs like what we're doing, to learn from the Posse, vote your interest. Click that join button, be a part of the PDR Posse. For those of you that are on YouTube, if you are not on YouTube right now, but would like to join the Posse through YouTube, please feel free to go to politicsdoneright.com slash, oh, let's see, oh, it's not working. There we go, gotta go here. Go to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube if you are not on YouTube but want to join the posse. Uh, likewise, you can support us by joining us at PayPal, politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Help us support all these things, including these calls that we can now take and all of that. This is your program. And as you can see, the pro the show that we had today, let me just throw it out there. The show that we did today with uh, with Kit uh, Con Con Connolly was uh, brought to you by John Cotter. John, one of our PDR Posse members, he sent me a, a text and said, Berto, uh, this is what this guy has written, this story that I hadn't seen in, in the Observer. We need to cover this. If you can interview this guy, you need to interview this guy. I found the guy, called him up. We got an interview going. This is your show. And the same thing occurred in several of the interviews that we do. This is your show. Send us an email at Info at politicsdoneright.com if you want certain things covered, if you want certain topics covered, if you want certain people interviewed, just let us know and we'll try to make it happen. Likewise, you can support us on our Patreon. We need patrons. Please support us on Patreon as well, politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon, politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. You can also support us on Facebook, politicsdoneright.com slash Facebook, politicsdoneright.com slash Facebook. Shop at our store. Get our hats. Get our t-shirts. Politicsandright.com slash store. And if you want our books, we have great books. The ones you see circling on the screen right now. Politicsandright.com slash books. Politicsandright.com slash books. And if you want to find out all the different ways that you can support this program, we work hard. As you can see with all the videos we put out, with all the blogs that we write, Five to eight blogs now that I'm doing, not, not that I'm doing five days a week at KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, that is broadcast in the entire Southeast Texas. And of course, uh, it's simulcast on the internet throughout the world, uh, Politics on Right at 5 a.m. in the morning. So if you are up, or at 6 a.m. in the morning Central. So if you're up 6 a.m. Central and want to get on air in Houston and elsewhere, give us a call. You can go ahead and just go to politicsdoneright.com and find out all about it. And again, the all-encompassing place to know how you can support this program. And we need your support to keep doing what we're doing is at politicsdoneright.com slash support. politicsdoneright.com slash support. Again, feel free to call in at any time. 281-823-7747. You want to tell me something? You don't like something? Let me know. You love something? Let me know. You want to tell the audience something? Call us, email it, it is your show. We got to get out of here, folks. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And, and by the way, I will read all these, uh, the, the, the messages that you have here. I don't, I don't think there was any of them that, that particularly needs me to read out. I, I did E2247 because he wanted to address something that Ledo uh, had said. Carl Cox, corporatives and conservative neoliberals want anything uh, that doesn't benefit their puppet masters. Again, a lot of this is learning methodologies. We'll get there. All of us learning together, we'll get there. My name is Egberto 
Willies, this is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I'm going to end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.